Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. We are the place for that conservative news and content where we're standing up for the strong America and the strong Alaska that we all want, where you, where you know we're always in your corner, fighting for your rights as an American. And you can find Must Read Alaska on, on our website at mustreadalaska.com and Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, a bunch of other things that you, you know out there, all the social media stuff. I'm Suzanne Downing, and you can find my column, Must Read America, at our news partner over at Newsmax, and I write every couple of weeks over there with a brand new column up today um, about Donald Trump, Lisa Murkowski, and Kelly Chewbacca, so check that out as well. Thanks for tuning in, and I want to welcome back my co-host, John Quick, who went aloha on us for the past couple of weeks. Are you back in Nikiski and staying out of trouble, John? I'm back in Nikiski. I'm back staying in trouble, as always. And uh, it's good to be back. The uh, great state of Hawaii was uh, awesome to visit, but it's always good to be back home in the great state of Alaska. Well, yes. And I don't know, while you were gone, I did a story about the most uh, Democrat voting state in the country, and that would be Hawaii. It's where we all like to go for vacation, but we always like to come home to our nice red state of Alaska. And while you were gone, our podcast, we had the governor on on Friday, and then our podcast hit 20,000 downloads, which is really pretty awesome. And so we can talk a little bit about the podcast that we launched in, in September 2020. Uh, 2020, it was like September 14th, and now we're up to 20,000 downloads, which is really great. And what do you think about that? It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm super excited. I want to thank everybody out there for uh, listening and for downloading. You know, we're on Spotify, we're on the Google Play Store, we're on uh, Amazon, we're pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast, we're on there. We're on the iTunes podcast. And uh, 20,000 downloads is a huge hurdle. We're not quite the uh, Dan Fagan status of, you know, 60, 70,000 downloads a year, but we're excited that we hit 20 and uh, 20,000 and probably 15,000 of that is my mom just sitting there downloading it, uh, you know, every time she gets a chance to. So thanks, mom. Well, we love your mom. Thanks, Heidi. And we have a very special guest with us today, and we don't want to uh, waste any more time. We want to get right into our guest. Russell Biggs is with us. He is the driving force behind the Recall Meg Zalatel petition. And for those of you who don't know, Zalatel is one of the lefties of the lefties who's running the Anchorage Assembly. And boy, we've got a bunch of them. I, it's such a race to the bottom to see who's the most left. She's one of the people who broke uh, Mayor Ethan Berkowitz's emergency orders last year. And she allowed invited guests to come into the assembly, but she kept anybody out who you know, was in disagreement with the city's, with the city's policies. And she shut, they, she and Felix and the rest of the gang, they shut down the entire assembly to the public. And then they made huge decisions involving multi-millions of dollars uh, purchases of buildings with that COVID money and moving moving all kinds of money around in shell games. And so Russell is here to explain some of the highlights of what's going on with the Meg Zalatel recall petition. Welcome to the show, Russell. Hey, Suzanne. How are you? Hi, John. Hi. 
Hey, and, and, and I really appreciate you coming on because I know it's a busy day for you. And then you've already warned me that you might have to jump out early. And if you do, you've got to just give me that high sign and we'll let you go. Fantastic. You were, Thanks. You were one of the ones who uh, really held the Recall Rivera campaign together. But ultimately, that didn't work. I mean, the voters allowed him to remain in place, which was a, a little bit of a disappointment to some of us. Uh, what's the reason that that didn't work? And uh, what's going on with the Zalatel petition? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, like setting the stage of why the Rivera recall didn't work is really important to talk about because it's also going to play a big part of the Zalatel um, petition and whether or not that'll succeed uh, in a couple of months. Um, the uh, I think it's important to, to note that the Zalatel petition that is currently being uh, circulated in Anchorage was submitted uh, over 10 months ago. It was one of the, um, the second petitions that were also submitted at the same time the Felix Rivera uh, recall petition was submitted to the municipal clerk, Barb Jones. And Barb Jones, uh, with the advice uh, or direction of the Anchorage municipality legal team, denied her um, petition, but then uh, allowed an edited version, a municipality edited version of the Felix Rivera recall to proceed. So it's important to understand like right off the bat that the petition that made it in front of the, um, the Anchorage voters was not the petition that we submitted. It was an edited version. Uh, and at the time, we didn't, uh, we didn't take that to court. Uh, but we did take the, uh, the, the the denial, the flat out denial of the Megzalatel petition to court, and it's taken ten months uh, to work its way through the, the legal system. It took ten months and, and tens of thousands of dollars to get it uh, to get the municipal clerk to be forced by the Superior Court of Alaska uh, to release this petition, um, which they decided on May twentieth, uh, but they just released it a, a few, about a week ago. So. Um, the, the two uh, petitions were similar in wording in that they contained um, uh, several um, portions that the state of Alaska recall law uh, requires. And it was the fact that we wrote it as both Meg Zalatel and Felix Rivera committed misconduct in office by breaking the emergency mandates. Um, and we added in the Rivera recall that not only did he break the mandates, but that he also broke uh, the protocol in the assembly because he, he also had the ability to remove people from the assembly uh, and participated into that meeting, um, ignoring a, a sitting assembly member's objection to the extra people in the room. That was, so, uh, let me break in there. That was when, um, when Jamie Allard said, wait a minute, we've got too many people in the room. She objected. Correct. And they, and they were actually debating the issue of whether or not um, in, in that huge assembly room that it was uh, appropriate to exclude all of the public from that room, even though there was a 30 foot space between um, the assembly members and the people that would be allowed in the back of the room. And so they, the assembly had used the emergency mandates to exclude all the public uh, at the height of um, the, the public process in the CARES Act funds that were going to divert about $40 million to private property purchases that at the time, uh, three of which 
were not zoned for the um, for the purposes that they wanted to use. And that ties into basically what's happening now about a year later. And I can talk about that too, because that's an important component of this as well. But basically, um, the Rivera recall uh, went forward with an edited version from the municipality. And uh, as you know, it did not succeed. And it didn't succeed for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, the, the biggest reason was, um, even though our recall team uh, and, and donors raised about $30,000, which was six times the amount of money that Felix Re uh, Rivera actually raised uh, on his own. Uh, he raised about $5,000 from the district, and we raised about $30,000, all from except one person from the district, who I think donated about $500. But 99% the, the of our funds came from in-district voters, uh, District 4 voters. But at the, the last minute, uh, Felix Rivera received about $100,000 of free wow. advertising from three sources. Uh, the first was uh, the AFL-CIO um, independent expenditure group called uh, Putting Alaskan First Committee, uh, which was a complete uh, union-driven uh, production. And he also got it from um, an LGBTQ special interest group. And then the third uh, donor was the Tides Advocacy, um, wow. uh, which was California Dark Money that came in mm -hmm. through the Alaska Center. And we know that based on the APOC reports and the fact that they had to, uh, they had to uh, document that. So $100,000 basically saved Felix Rivera's uh, uh, recall campaign and it, it so all came from resources. There was another there was another thing that happened too though I thought that was interesting and that is that on the ballot itself they allowed him to make a completely fulsome um, campaign ad for himself yeah. and so yeah. so there were the, there was the charge the charge is that he allowed too many people in the in the assembly chamber and that was in violation of the mayor's emergency orders essentially that was the charge mm -hmm. And right. then, and, and, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And so, so, and that's one of the great uh, injustices of this whole whole procedure, which I, I think I mentioned to you the last time we talked. Uh, it's rigged so uh, lopsided against a citizen initiative, uh, because again, the, you know, the, um, the the language that we submitted for the recall not only was edited by the uh, by, by the municipality. But it also had to meet a certain uh, defined set of uh, legal sufficiency and factual sufficiency, whereas Felix Rivera basically could say whatever he wanted to. He and, did, and you know, not only he didn't, and he didn't just talk about that case. He talked about all the great things that he had done, and right. it was it was like a campaign ad. It wasn't just about whether or not he'd let too many people in. It says I've worked mm -hmm. on these issues, and I've worked on those issues. I've done a great job, and and you know he just went on. And he used the, the entire 200 words or whatever he had to talk about all of his many good qualities. And they didn't edit that. Right, exactly. And, and, and again, that's, that's why this recall process is very, very difficult from financially, uh, the legal hurdles that you have to meet. Um, the, the way that the Rivera recall, again, played out was, uh, again, $100,000 of union money and special interest money running nonstop ads from the moment it uh, was certified by the clerk. Uh, it, 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 there was a massive Facebook uh, blitz. There was nonstop television ads. And in the moment, I can tell you, the moment I saw a TV ad hit um, the airways, I knew something was up because I knew there was no way 
that Felix Rivera had raised enough money on his own to um, to run t- the, the, not one one TV ad, much less nonstop for uh, a couple of months TV ads. So again, you know, uh, there was a lot of hurdles financially uh, associated with that. But again, the messaging for this kind of campaign is very difficult because you're trying to convince people that um, the the process behind this recall uh, is legitimate. Like that we're trying to recall people for a legitimate reason. And the reason was, which we're not allowed to say in the language, the reason was they used um, the COVID emergency mandates to basically shut out the public debate. And they, and, and, and in the original Zalatel recall, we correctly, in my mind, uh, approached it from the fact that they were breaking the Open Meetings Law, right. uh, the Open Meetings Act, uh, and that was shut down by, uh, by the clerk. And so we had to go to step two, which is where we had video proof. Uh, there was no question that there, there was a violation of the emergency mandates, that it was legally and factually sufficient. And even despite that video evidence, the clerk still ruled against it. Uh, mm-hmm. The clerk in the immunity department, uh, with this recall as well as one that was issued against Forrest Dunbar for coercing cr- criminal coercion of uh, the pastors. pastors yeah. um, they used the same trick. The immunity department basically used the same trick where they redefined the petitioner's actual statements to make it not comply with what uh, the, the language is um, necessary to initiate a recall. So in the, in the Dunbar uh, recall, they said, well, uh, it's not criminal coercion, it's actually political persuasion. So even though the actual complaint was written to say they committed a criminal act and the voter by Supreme Court uh, decision has to be the one to decide that. Right. But the Muni clerk and the Muni legal department said, oh, no, what you really mean is that that's political persuasion, and therefore, it's not a valid reason to recall. That, you know, you know, I just let, stop for a second there, because that's just, that seems just criminal, what they did, which <laughs> is you are not entitled to make your charge, and so we're just not going to let you make that charge. Uh, and in fact... Right. In fact, what Dunbar had done is have a, an ongoing discussion with um, Chris Constant on the assembly, Forrest Dunbar and Chris Constant, both assemblymen, both uh, very hard leftists, saying, hey, well, we got those pastors to finally come on board this purchase of all these buildings and uh, nothing like good guilt trip on them. In other words, they had shut down these churches. Let's not forget about that. They shut them down. They told people they couldn't gather. And so this was coercion because you want your churches back open, you better support our plan. Correct. Absolutely. And, and we had, we had the public records proving that that was, that was the, you know, the thing that, that that pushed that through. And so, you know, again, it's, it's a very difficult messaging um, process to get that out to the voters because most voters are probably unaware of, you know, the laundry list of reasons that would also uh, qualify most people to no longer be in office. You know, the diversion of millions of dollars of CARES Act funds, the, um, the closure of the assembly chambers, you know, most recently, um, a, a complete misinformation campaign involved in this, the B3 rezone where the municipality and the assembly have worked together to, to try to convince the Anchorage voters that, um, that there's not enough PLI zoned land uh, and that 
the property rights that a business owner that owns business's own property in Anchorage needs to be changed in order for them to place shelters on that. And so most recently, just to give you an example of the ridiculousness of this, we, uh, our, our community gathered 800 community comments and 99.9% .9 of those, they were out of three of those, the only three people uh, were in agreement with the B3 rezone plan. We sent uh, the, the municipality, uh, the, the list, the, the scan documents over the last month, we started in April 1st, we sent them again in April 4th, 800 comments in opposition. And none of those comments made it into the public packet uh, wow. a week ago, wow. zero, none of them. And well, I showed up in person when I realized when I was going through the thing, I, I showed up in person and hand delivered those in the meeting. I, I was the very first person in line. I put them on the table and I said, look, you know, what's the deal? Why is this not in the public packet? Right. And so I feel like this is just another part of this silencing campaign. It's just another mm -hmm. process. And that's a great example, but also associated with that, uh, along with that same um, same lines with the B3 rezone, is that uh, tomorrow night during the, the assembly where they're going to vote through the B3 rezone, which they've told the entire city of Anchorage for the last year that this has to happen because there's not enough PLI zone land mm -hmm. in Anchorage. This has to happen. It's so important. In that same meeting, they are going to do a land swap with the, the municipality real estate team to swap oh, no. the Tozier, the Tozier Dog Park, which is PLI zone land. They're going to swap that with uh, parkland so a private developer can use that land and make condos and houses. If that's wow. not the, the best example of the, amount, of the amount of misinformation the assemblies pushed through and tried to limit our, our uh, public uh, input, I don't know what is, you know, and so, <laughs> again, so it's, uh, it's uh, you know, Russell, one of the things I love about this is I think for the average person, you know, they don't know how to get involved. They, they feel like the, this, the uh, chips are stacked against them. You know, you have a, the machine, how do you penetrate the machine to actually um, make change? And I think that this is, you're a prime example of somebody who has, you know, you have your own professional career and you chose to get involved. And just like you chose to get involved, as people are listening out there, you can choose to get involved as well. And um, let's talk a little bit about how um, the, uh, the recent, uh, you know, Dunleavy is getting, you know, his recall is going forward and, and he had a, a superior court decision. How does that decision play into uh, Meg's recall. How, how do those two things tie together? Yeah, they're they're similar in the sense that the the Dunleavy decision is really what kind of opened the door um, to a li more liberal um, more liberal uh, view of what a recall is. You know, because the the previous Supreme Court rulings basically said, you know, it's a fairly narrow version that you don't have to necessarily be a lawyer to bring your complaint uh, to whichever, uh, you know, city or municipality that you're, you're trying to recall a person from. So, but you need to be able to state something in a way that the average voter can say, okay, well, I think, you know, the, the facts are here, it's legally sufficient, meaning it meets the, the criteria. And then the voter decides whether or not what you're saying is true. Um, and so the Dunleavy uh, uh, decision was important because 
you know, they, they try, they, they successfully got it um, into the petition gathering stage by saying, well, you know, Dunleavy didn't, uh, Governor Dunleavy didn't appoint a judge in a certain amount of time. And, you know, he may have sent these mailers out that were, you know, politically slanted. Uh, a lot of stuff that the average person would say, look, you know, I don't really think that's recallable, but that's what they get to vote on. So it becomes more of a referendum process where, sure. you know, they can, people can use that tool. And if they can convince enough people that the, um, you know, the infractions were, were severe enough, then people vote, vote that in and out. And it's interesting, if you look on the recall Dunleavy page, uh, which is uh, also, by the way, is, is one of the steering committee, committee members is Joelle Hall, which is, you know, she's the AFL-CIO boss. Right. She was the big uh, defender of Felix Rivera, as I recall. Yeah. So Joel Hall, uh, you know, issued a statement that said, you know, if anybody can come in here and just call, recall anybody for any reason, you know, that hurts us all. And she oh, made that comment while she's on the steering committee to recall Dunleavy, who's, so you know, ironic. trying to recall Dunleavy for, for not appointing a, a judge in 45 days. You know, stuff like that. And so you're like, okay, clearly this is a political process. I mean, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, but the fact is, if you look on the Recall Dunleavy uh, webpage, you know, they brush over the actual uh, recall uh, reasons and they list like 40 other things that are all, you know, politically, they, they don't like the, the politics that Dunleavy put out. And they don't so like those shoes. They don't like the shoes you wear. They don't like, you know, they just don't, they don't like anything about them. So, yeah, yeah. But they, they don't really talk about the actual charges that they've levied, levied against him. Like you say, that he, he put out a mailer that seemed political in nature or partisan in nature when it was, you know, his job is politics. He's elected. Right. He's, he's political. But, exactly. how, but so, how does that how does that tie into to what's going on with Meg Zaltel? Because I, I guess you've got the same thing with her. Yeah, so so it dovetails in some ways, but in in our recall, you know, the assembly was telling people uh, correctly that COVID is dangerous, and it was, and it's killed a lot of people. Uh, and in the same breath that they're saying that, they are uh, ignoring the actual mandates that were putting people out of business. They couldn't go to their jobs because, you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. mandates were shutting people down. And they were saying, this is so important. It's, it's, it's critically important that we save people's lives. But, oh, in our case, you know, we'll just continue on and do what's convenient. And so I would argue that the Meg Zalatel, uh recall, given the fact that it truly is being positioned as a life and death um, reason that people will die if mm -hmm. we don't obey these mandates. And that's mm -hmm. what that's what the assembly was saying, right? Exactly uh, so what they were saying. Yeah. That's exactly what they're saying. So why are, are sitting legislators and the assembly people not obeying that law when different businesses around town are being fined fifteen thousand dollars a day? And not just their businesses, but also their attorneys, you know, mm -hmm. in an attempt to chill any kind of uh uh, you know, citizen uh, backlash against That's that. That's right. So that you you not only you find you not only find uh, Andy Kreider, but you actually find his attorney for having the the gall to defend him. Right. Exactly. So you know, from a from a public process and a constitutional issue, I mean, I've had a lot of people ask me over the last couple of weeks, and they're like, "Why would you persist?" You know, is the is the AFL-CIO and the special interest groups going to write another $100,000 check for Meg Zaltel? And why would you persist with this if the outcome may be the same? And the answer is, is that the muni has to be held responsible for this. It cannot be allowed 
to squash and use the full uh, power of the courts to uh, chill any kind of citizen initiative. It's really, it's critically important mm -hmm. because that is exactly why the Juno chambers have remained closed up until mm -hmm. a couple of days ago. You know, whenever, what was it, three or four days ago? Mm -hmm. Well after the emergency mandates were over, um, Oh, but but Russell, not only the um, the assembly chambers in Juneau, but it was also the um, the Capitol building. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and I can you know I can't I you know I I'm not I can't predict but you know I can't say for sure. But I I I think if we had not initiated that recall and and not and I'll ask for open meetings had not sued the the city that mm. a couple things would have happened. Number one. Uh, the chambers would probably still be would still be closed, and number two, it would be very unlikely that we would have a conservative mayor uh, taking office in July first, because much of the problems, not problems, much of the political uh, involvement occurred because people were watching what was going on on TV, and none of that would have been as effective. Like you know, people calling in and ranting on the phone, being angry, is not nearly as effective as 40, 50 people showing up in the assembly uh, consistently and protesting against the way they were being treated. So, you know, I, I feel like for a couple of reasons that even though we lost the Felix Rivera recall, um, that given the fact that Dunbar raised, uh, you know, $400,000 of outside money, just which mm -hmm. basically would have been, uh, he would have had, had an extra $100,000 if that money had not been spent on Felix Rivera's recall campaign. So I feel like in, in the, you know, oh, at least in the long yeah, term. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about that for just a minute, because I think that might go by people. They may not catch the, the importance of that. You know, that, that recall Rivera campaign did not succeed, but it certainly diverted a lot of money away from the Dunbar campaign, very possibly. Interesting. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that money, uh, I firmly believe because it was the same players donating huge lumps of sums of money to, uh, to Dunbar's campaign. Uh, and I believe if that if the recall had not occurred, then that would have been another hundred thousand dollars. You know, it maybe would have swung the election, maybe not. It's hard to say, but it definitely would have helped his chances to get uh, to get elected. So, you know, from a, again, when people say, well, what do you think about this? And I said, well, you know, I feel like uh, conservatives should not be playing checkers. They should be playing chess and mm. whatever it takes uh, to, to make a difference in the assembly. Uh, you know, and again, it, this may not, it, mm. it may not be fruitful, but it definitely is going to help uh, a conservative candidate that's running against Meg Zalatel, even if she's not, uh, not recalled under these things. I, I, well, let's stop for just a second there. Cause I want to make sure before you go, and I know you've got to run, but um You've got this going to Supreme, the, the Alaska Supreme Court now, correct? Correct. And so, uh, I mean, the, the, the municipality is fighting it this uh, yeah. time. They, did, they, 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 fought on, they fought on your side on the Felix Rivera one, but on this, this time they're fighting against it. Am I right? Correct. And, and the reason they're doing that is because they've used the legal argument that um, misconduct in office, which is what we had in both of the recall languages, which and they struck that from the Felix Rivera recall. So that was not allowed to proceed into the actual petition, uh, the petition gathering part. Um, but that's the part they're saying, well, there has to be a motive like the, the you have to impugn a motive. What? for uh yeah for a legislator uh 
to to be recalled and so like you have to come up with a reason that they acted improperly so that's not, not only, in the that's not in the charter right exactly so so not only did they break the law but you got to say they they broke the law in a criminal manner you know or not criminal but you know in a way that was they were going to you know gain from it i could still make the argument that that, that i felt like that happened even uh, even if you did uh, follow that flawed legal argument you could still make that argument but but that's what they're trying to do now and so mm. i don't think that's going to hold up i don't think the supreme court will will buy that um given the fact that consistently they've ruled that the voter gets to decide what the facts are. And if we present our case um, clearly enough, uh, you know, in, in a manner that the average voter can look at that and say, hey, look, Meg Zalatel, even after being warned that they were in violation of the emergency mandates, persisted, uh, completely ignored it so they could do their thing and spend $40 million of CARES Act money. Right. Uh, you know, we don't have to we don't have to uh, apply a motive to that. That was a, they, that was a life and death uh, given uh, a life and death uh, consequence, basically on, from what the assembly had been saying for the from last. What they had days. told us, we're all going to die. And so we have to right. stay out of the chambers and um, o you know, only they can be in the chambers. And then if they want to have somebody from the mental health trust come in, they'll have him come in because he, he can um, testify in, uh, about things that they approve of. Right, because he apparently cannot use the phone. He can't <laughs> the use CEO, the phone. Uh, the yeah, CEO, Mike Abbott, but, yeah. yeah, person that owns fifty, uh, the fifteen million dollars worth of uh, PLI zone properties in Anchorage doesn't and, have well, a that phone. Person, yeah, doesn't have a phone to come in. So yeah, I mean, it's more stuff like that, Suzanne. It's you know, it's really disheartening uh, to see these consistent violations, not not to have a special election, not to allow the recalls mm -hmm. to proceed, not to uh, allow the assembly people in the chambers. And, but again, my message, if I, if I would say anything to people, is that um, it's really important that people continue to be involved in this process. And again, you know, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to do. It's really hard to do. Um, but sure. somebody has to do it. And it has to be you and me and the people that are listening to this podcast because otherwise it's not going to change and you know and, and like i said i get tired too but i feel like sure. the consequences of ignoring this kind of behavior um it's you know it's really really bad if, if if we don't continue to make an effort then what are we doing we're just lying over we're going to roll over and, and have somebody scratch our belly you know <laughs> Tear right, right, right. <laughs> right. so, uh, well, so uh, russell now you know we're getting a new uh, new mayor in Anchorage. Do you think that the uh, municipality, the clerk's office is going to persist with this nonsense or do you think they're going to have a, uh, a new change of pace? No, I think they'll persist. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what amount of uh, influence uh, the mayor can have over whether this court case will continue. But, you know, the, the, the assembly has and, and the reason the fact, you know, the reason they delayed um, a special election and the reason they have not filled district three uh the district three is assembly seat which has been empty for almost a year now uh, is to so they could grease and and manipulate millions of dollars of federal aid money mm -hmm. and in the process of doing that um they have you know they've basically poisoned the well against uh, dave bronson in every way they can to to keep him from being able to be effective and you know it, the perfect example if you look at um you know, what's going to be passed to on Tuesday, again, is uh, a million dollars, $1.1 million of federal aid money going to the Alaska Black Caucus, caucus 
uh, which is, uh, by the way, that's 10% of the Anchorage um, Health Department budget. 10% of the Anchorage Health Department budget is going to the, a political organization, the Alaska Black Caucus, to do COVID outreach six months after the vaccines have been released and mm-hmm. after over 50% of Anchorage has been vaccinated. Now, you're telling yeah. me that that money is appropriately being spent uh, it's being given to a political organization and uh, when it's actually the job of the health department to do that kind of outreach and data collection, um, they have no business getting that money for that reason. So uh, the assembly is enabling, you know, the long goal here, which is basically to build mm-hmm. up uh, these sort of uh, these sort of processes and, and have that money gone before any any other uh, um, executive takes takes office. Right. This is just a surrogate organization for the Democratic Party. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. You know, um, I got to ask you: Can you come back in a, in three or four weeks and and give us an update on how things are going with the with the Meg Zalatel petition? I really want to stay on this. And you're such a great guest, and you're so informed about things going on in Anchorage. I I feel like you, we've been feeding our listeners with a fire hose today. Thomas, mm-hmm. you come back. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Uh, can I put a plug in too? Um, please do. Yeah. We're going to be, uh, our signature gatherers are gathering signatures um, all this week from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Tudor Bingo uh, on Tudor, right there next to uh, New Seward. And it's, it's a drive-through without the COVID precautions now. You can just drive up. We'll hand you the petition. You sign it from your car, and then you're on your merry way. Or you can go ahead and play some bingo if you want to play bingo. <laughs> That's uh, right. but, uh, but you can also make a big difference. And then we also have... Um, we also have a, a, uh, some fundraising if you want. It's at the uh, at the uh, Arctic Liberation Coalition website, which is uh, arcticliberationcoalition.com. And you, you can kind of follow what we've been doing along. We also have a Facebook presence uh, called Reclaim Midtown. Uh, Reclaim Midtown kind of has a daily dose of uh, stuff that people can look. And, and, and that, it's that a good was- page. I recommend it to everybody. Yeah, that has like a full, like you just go back about a year and you can see uh, very well documented um, all of the uh, missteps that the assembly has done uh, documented. So, but yeah, thank you so much for having us on. Super good to hear from you. And thank you for all you're doing for Anchorage. You're a voice of sanity and a sea of of some real mixed up stuff that's been going on this past year. And you've exposed a lot of it. And I really thank you for that. So uh, we'll talk to you again in about two or three weeks. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks. And John, before we go, um, you know, I, I just want to thank you for coming back from Hawaii, even though I know it was beautiful <laughs> over there. Yeah, and, it's, uh, uh, it's good to be back. And, uh, and, and yet you're coming back to all this kind of the same insanity that we've been dealing with for, for weeks and months with this um, municipality. And I, I guess uh, Russell's right that once we get uh, the, the mayor in, he may or may not have his hands tied because look at the kind of crazy stuff that they've done leading up to him. But I just want to thank yeah. everybody for, for listening today. And thank you, uh, Scott Levesque, for all you do as our producer on the show. Also, remember, everybody, Scott has the show on Wednesday, Thursday. So tune in for that. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, thank you so much. It makes this possible for us to stand up for what's right. If you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, then the donate button is on the right-hand side of mustreadalaska.com. And we will continue to stay strong independent and thoughtful against the big liberal activist news media. Until next week, everybody, it's John and I signing off from somewhere in Alaska. <laughs>